Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Bad News Bears edition. Today we go to Japan. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man, the myth, the legend, the man with a perfect batting average for one-liners, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Give it to him, Tom. Because I like it and it's attractive. <laughs> See, I'm not wrong. Batting a thousand. <laughs> this uh you could have retitled this in this movie in some territories. Marvin and Mustafa go to Japan. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Featuring the bad news bears. Featuring <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's do you think do you think that they were uh, playing a long game and they, they they were thinking of spin-off potential for for these two? Oh man. I mean it was the t- it was definitely the time for that. I mean yeah. everything was a spin-off of something in the 70s. You know, it's funny because that's one of the parts of the movie that I like the most. Agreed. Is when they're together. <laughs> I think it's yeah. amazing. They have genuine chemistry. Yeah. But despite what you're saying, I the movie doesn't, you know, it, it just feels like something the movie decided to do as opposed to the movie was setting up something. You know what I mean? It yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's hard I for me if... to go as far as they were yeah. thinking of a potential, you know, spinoff scenario. I wonder if, if it was as, as simple as the two of them were hanging out on set. Right, yeah, <laughs> and being being funny, being funny. and they wrote it into the film. Yeah, it could be. It, do, I mean, it, you know, it's all for naught anyway because they were scooped by different strokes in the very same year. Right, yeah, absolutely. For this, this kind of interplay mm-hmm. between, uh, uh, you know, a, a a wealthy white man and a well, in this case, precocious. <laughs> in this case, gr- <laughs> grown young black man yeah. <laughs> posing as a child yes <laughs> and then i guess that was that was uh, that led to the cosby show so i suppose the it, it took care of itself yeah into, it's it spun it spun off other properties we'll have to resist what you're talking about jokes right i knew exactly what he was talking about <laughs> That's when, it, when, you know, whenever I hear that now, I go that one step further into the Simpsons parody of yeah. Gary Coleman saying, I knew exactly what he was talking about. That's great. It is. Oh, man. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking The Bad News Bears Go to Japan, a 1978 yeah. film directed by one John Barry. I don't know him, Tom. I wrote down these movies, Claudine, Thieves. A Captive in the Land. I don't know those movies. <laughs> wait, 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 say those again? Claudine. Thieves. Claudine. 
Like, <laughs> it's like the this sort of uh, like a public domain Christine. It's about yeah. a, a much a, a, like a used car version of Christine. I remember a uh, Jeff Bridges vehicle called Nadine. Uh, he's Canadian, right? Is he John Barry? No, he's French. No, he's American. He. I was try- I assumed he was Canadian because there's so many French films in his uh, back catalogue, but um, I guess he's just an American who makes French films, or a French-born... He was born in New York, died in Paris. Well, I mean, if you say so. This is fascinating. Dad, this is... This, this is a... Fu- I mean, in terms of, you know... If you were sort of playing one of those <laughs> games where you were like, you know, like those math games where it's like two, four, what's the next number? Yeah, right. You would never like go from Claudine thieves to bad news bears goes to Japan. <laughs> right. That's true. Like you like this is this makes this in in so many ways. His uh, back catalog makes no sense. I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you uh, raised that. Well, because that is, I this think is he, an ano- this is an anomaly in a back catalog that is full of anomalies. <laughs> Linguistic, cultural, everything. <laughs> you know what I think does make sense? Everything what? you're saying, and then the fact that this movie has six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, and and I and did know, I only did made yeah. seven million dollars in the world and the USA. Again, just like the last film, no information on how much it cost to make <laughs> or what its opening weekend was. <laughs> Johnny Cash Coyote style. Yes. But yeah, um, it's clearly the laws of dim- diminishing returns. Yeah. It killed the franchise. And- I mean, so, not uh, ultimately. They did a remake, and you know, the the, the franchise is yeah, lived not on, for but, a long time though. Killed it for but, a good yeah, few decades. Put it in the ground wow. until until we pitch. <laughs> yeah, and I think I referred in the, and referred to this in a previous episode that it's on a lot of the worst sequels of all time lists. But yeah, um, it, it feels like low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Because. The experience of watching it is is not like watching one of the worst sequels of all time. It's it's not that bad. No, it really isn't that bad. Yeah. No, it's strange. Um, it's odd. Yeah, and it's nowhere it's... near as bad as it could have been. Yeah, right. No, you get <laughs> like, I, like we definitely talked about that <laughs> in the ranking episode where we thought yes. this movie. We go into it. You just think it's going to be so much worse than it is, yeah. and it's not that. <laughs> But even more than that, the first few minutes of the film are exactly as bad as you think they're going to yeah, be. Yeah, right, right. But somehow after that, I don't know if they're, <laughs> no, if they if they were like even we went too far with the first few minutes of this film. So we got to pull it back, guys. We got we got to rein it in. We got to rein this shit in, boys. And then you know you take everything on a scene by scene basis. There are some hairy moments. Yeah. Later on in the movie, but for the most part. It's still, even with a, you know, modern day POV, <laughs> it's a relatively painless watch, which the title does not suggest it's going to be. No, right. There we go. There's something to put in your poster. A relatively <laughs> painless watch. 
<laughs> Tom Stewart. Oh, that's great. <laughs> hey, can I ask you something? Please. Did you think it was weird that there was like ominous kidnap music with the Paramount logo? Because that's what I wrote down. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't see you. You're absolutely right, but I, I didn't see it that way. I, I it okay. was just a sort of a poor approximation of what uh, music, you know, Eastern music is. Okay. <laughs> but I think the definitely that that Venn diagram exists. Yeah. Between the two. I wrote down yeah, that, and, and then I said, followed immediately by more than vaguely racist credits. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I was immediately thinking, when I heard the st the strings, mm -hmm. the what what they think are Japanese strings. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I was like oh, dear God. Here we go. Here we go. We're and on then, the, we're we on the into, racism roller all, coaster ride. First of all, let's not bury the lead here. An animated title sequence. Yes, of course. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Which is, you know... Uh, we keep I mean, finding earlier and earlier examples. We do, yeah. And I guess you got to go all the way back to the Pink Panther um, movies. Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, it started a good decade before this. But... Uh, we're getting into the 80s where this will become more commonplace and then in like right. the early 90s where it, it, you can't make a movie without a cartoon title <laughs> sequence. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Further information, me, obviously... listen to our Weekend at Bernie's 2 episode. Yeah. So, so it's a big impasse, obviously. But to me, the subtext of this is like, makes it much easier to be racist. Yeah, like, right. Yes. If we yeah, do it in yes, cartoon yes. form. If we do it in cartoon form, it's more palatable. Yeah. It's like, well, that character goes like, anyway. Is that a conscious <laughs> choice? We know we're doing wrong. I, I don't think they know they're doing wrong. No, but I think it's just like, well, the caricatures anyway, so why can't they be racist caricatures? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the, the you know so already you like that there is no hope for this film, right? <laughs> and then we go straight into a like a Japanese World War Two, well no, a World War Two movie, American World War Two movie on a Japanese subject. Yeah. On TV, and I'm like, oh god, please, I I, I can't. It's getting worse. You know. I really can't, you know, I really can't deal with this. If this is going to be the whole movie, I'm already out. Yeah. Um, but that's the last, you know, the, I guess the last consecutive. And uh, yeah, the most cringeworthy. Yeah. Once probably. you pass that, it's it, I wouldn't say it's plain sailing, but no, it's, yeah, uh, no. but it, it's uh, plain to occasionally choppy sailing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we... Um. Might have some high gets... winds and some choppy seas, but yeah, you can get to port. And then, you know, that we, we do we do what I can only describe as mildly reintroduce the characters. I mean, it's only been a year. Right? Yeah, right. It's, right. Like, yes. it's like, obviously you don't have VHS, but the movie only came out a year ago. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I think of all the things you don't need to introduce is the idea that Engelbert likes eating. Yeah, I think that's 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 canon by now. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I guess I guess you know they do say. Um, and now they have I'm, some, some. I'm just gonna say the O word because I don't want to have to say it out loud. I know. I I didn't. I I wrote it down too. 
Yeah. And it's one of those uh, things where I, I, I hate that Americans don't get the difference between a possession and a person. <laughs> like a vase. But that's not your main objection to and that a, word. No, no. Yeah. Okay, good, good, no. good. <laughs> God that's a sub a, a, that's a kind of sub complication of that word and so um, but also but, but I, mixed yeah. in all of this because we're reintroducing the team is that mm. there is no tanner <laughs> well <laughs> and so i kept i kept thinking the most racist kid is kicked off the team yes is that why he was kicked off the team <laughs> either that or the kids couldn't handle his love for timmy and maybe, maybe he was just, but he was just bullied for, for you know, for coming out of the closet, and uh, yeah, could be either way. Either way, I think we don't. <laughs> either way, we don't need to explain why he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I just wanted to, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'll just keep saying the old word, and I don't want to have to end end up accidentally saying it. But yes, is this? Like how much of this is the the movies? Like I I I felt comfortable in the in the last movie saying that the the slurs that they're choosing are above and beyond how those people were referred to at the time. Mm-hmm. That it would be a racist insult at the time. How much is here? This like just, this is just what we call people from China. This is just what we no. Call I, yeah, from I China. think it's that. Yeah, I so so there's already a distinction there, you know. If you compare it to yeah ta- to what Tanner does at the same point of but the that last distinction, movie, that distinction is still born out of ignorance. Yeah, but it's 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 a kind of ignorance about what to say rather than a than an ignorance about you know an ignorance about having a human heart and soul. I mean, it's, I that's, think that's true. A pretty okay, big, fine. It's a pretty big difference, but I'm it's interesting because. You know, you can sort of excuse using the terminology of the time, but you can't excuse using words of the time that are already charged as a racial insult. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there is a difference. No, yeah, you're right. I still don't like hearing it. <laughs> yes. But I do like seeing Regis Philbin. I was going to say the same thing. I was very surprised to see Regis Philbin on this. Now, is this when he was still a is this when he was still a local San Diego TV anchor? I don't know. Because if so, well, it makes sense. Wait, I'm not even sure I knew he was a San Diego guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's how he started his career. I don't know if he'd moved, if he'd gone national by this point. But I mean, uh, it's pretty... It makes sense that they would, if he was just associated with San Diego TV, mm-hmm. that they would pick him because of where the movie's set. Right. I mean, it's not L.A., but what, you know, I don't know if I don't know if it was like San Diego, L.A., or just San Diego. Right. Um, but uh, I think they are trying to pick a California-specific broadcaster. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. There's still one city out, but they're, well, they're it's still, not that far. They're still off. <laughs> yeah, it's better than the, what was it in in uh, Spider-Man Three, where they have like the, the the famous LA broadcaster, but he's in New York. Yeah. So it's not that bad. At least it's on the same coast <laughs> and in the same state. There you go. See, I wasn't sure. I, it's funny because I I just 
I equate Regis as a New York guy because of later in his career, I guess. But no, he he definitely started on. Uh, I don't know if he he'd gone national by this point, but he was definitely a a San Diego San Diego local anchor for a while, and um, uh. Because I believe, I mean, some people believe he's the he's one of the inspirations for Anchorman. That's fantastic. Because of the period, because of the period in which he was on San Diego television, and you know, <laughs> the fact that he's a quite often a bumbling fool. <laughs> Which of us in the in the in the best possible way? Which of us haven't been that? Yeah, in the best possible. Oh, I mean. Listen, when I when I was kind of visiting the U.S. for the first time, mm-hmm. the joy of watching, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee, and later Regis and Kelly, it was all about Regis. He was like a man out of time. <laughs> oh, but always, like yeah. from ninety from the early nineties to the yes, early two thousands, yes. he remained a man out of time. <laughs> anyway. Now this is this is basically when we meet Tony Curtis, right? Boy, do we meet Tony Curtis! Yeah, and uh, he gets a he gets a star entrance, I'd say, <laughs> from from behind his from beneath his couch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a very slow reveal of his face, which is a, indicating that he is a he is a star, and that you're going to go, "Oh my God, it's Tony Curtis!" Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, everything that's surrounding him is telling us that. Um, the character is a, is is washed up. Yeah, of course. Because uh, so it's kind of like playing with both the fact that he's a movie star, but also he's an he's a movie down star on his luck, a, down on his luck. With and I think uh, well, this is the thing. I think this movie has a meta quality throughout. So uh, I think the choice mm. of Tony Curtis at the age he's at, the stage of his career he's at, playing a showbiz producer who is not necessary who is not necessarily uh at the top of his game right i think is a very deliberate choice okay yeah and you re- I, you know I, it's one of those things it's like harry shearer in wayne's world too it's like who could play this better probably no one <laughs> right that yeah. i can think of you know well i think i love the f- i think yeah. your opening line illustrates how focused the movie is on Tony Curtis. Cause I think there yeah. are times and that, that well, line's that, the, a perfect opening, example where they just, I like, didn't explain that the quotable is about his medallion. Yes. Right. Right. And, and, and why his shirt is so open so people yeah. can see it. <laughs> yes. And I think there are moments where they just let the kid, like you, you might've said this earlier where they just let the camera go with him and Mustafa. It was like, I mean, that's know, what it feels do like. Something I funny. mean, I'm, those things can be incredibly scripted and directed, but it doesn't really matter because by the time we get it, it feels like it's natural. Yeah, and I so think I think his introduction is like that too because you know he's getting on the phone, he's being told he owes money, and mm. he's doing that kind of vaudevillian comic thing <laughs> that we're familiar with if if you're old enough to be familiar with it. Yeah, and. It's coming across as both shtick, but honest. <laughs> it's you know because yeah. it's Tony Curtis. So yeah, yeah, I have the same note. His drunken slapstick shenanigans. Yeah, right. Um, but in the hands of 
the great comedian screen actor Tony Curtis, it, it, it works. It, yeah. it has an authenticity and an honesty. Um, I'm interested in because like he's he's. <laughs> Why, but I noticed. So for, first of all, so why are we following him? Okay, <laughs> and the movie answers this because he's watching the Bad News Bears on live television. Yeah, being interviewed by Regis Philbin, where apparently you know if they swear or make racist slurs, it gets bleeped on live television. But it's okay for a kid to do it in a Hollywood movie, right? Um, so the movie's kind of telling us here that, that, that there's a double, st- <laughs> a double standard, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. If you want to, um, if you want to include your racist shit, put it in a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that's where that's what it's for. Yeah, that's what movies are for. <laughs> for for children to to vocalize racist abuse. But I wanted to know if you caught that there was a moment on that television program because it was quick too because they were panning away from the TV, so it was just audio, and there's this moment where the they retconned the retcon yeah. from the last yeah, movie. You talked, you talked about, I didn't yeah. notice it when I watched it okay. because, I, because I had no, well, I had no access to the knowledge of the retcon. That's true. That's, you're right. You had to tell me the, about the retcon because nothing in the last film suggested to me that they that lost they didn't their, win. their game in the original. <laughs> yeah. So it would have had no significance to me. And it seems like they're trying, you know, they're trying to bury this, you know, they're trying to bury bad news. Hey! Right. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) It's a good day to bury bad news. Um, Yeah, so it's sort of like, did we come to the conclusion that they figured out they were wrong and this is their way of... I get. I don't know. That's the thing. This that's is like strange. the 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 you know the news the editor's apology in the newspaper. You know the right. retraction column, for, which is like by the way for those much listening, smaller print than anything yeah, else. For those listening, we're talking about the television saying at some point, yes, that they're not the California champs that they came so close and yeah. got to second place or something like that. It's very. But it doesn't. Funny. It doesn't like explain why they would then fast track to the Houston Aerodrome. Yeah, which is no. <laughs> really all we need to know at this point. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, is this the point? Because the kids meet Lazar, right? In this at the, ridiculous at the lunch rest- <laughs> at, the, at a restaurant in a fancy, uh, like a fancy LA restaurant that has um, one of the Munchkins from the Wizard of Oz as a bellboy. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I guess this is just, again, like more, well, it's riffing on the cartoon title sequence plus the old Hollywood of having Tony Curtis. Yeah, right. Plus the overall meta quality of the film that these scenes are building. The fact that whatever's going on off screen with the Bad News Bears is the same as what's happening on screen. Mm -hmm. And this is very clear because you can imagine, you know, it's like they are now famous for being actors who play the bad news bears. So this scene is about what their lives are like off screen as much as it is about what, what the move, what's happening in the movie mm-hmm. to me, at least. Yeah. Like, um, that and the scene where Kelly tries to 
chat up a woman at the bar by saying, I saw you in Kojak last night, which right. is... <laughs> Very I think mad. one of the greatest, the most historically specific lines of all time in a movie. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Not only is it Kojak, a show which is no longer on the air, but it's Kojak from last night. Well, and there's another thing going on here, too, because one of the things I found fascinating about this scene in terms of sequeldom mm. was that you saw a you can see a progression in the film. So in the last film, mm -hmm. they devote a good 15 minutes to, hey, we want to go to Houston by ourselves, but we know that's yeah. no option. So we're going to do this and get this, and we're going to have this ruse with this guy, and then we're going to introduce <laughs> him to the family, and we're going to talk about, yeah. you know, we're going to have dinners, we're going to show dinners, we're going to have a whole, you know, set piece involving the parents know, whereas this yeah. movie just has Tony Curtis say, as you know, your parents agree with everything in these contracts. <laughs> Done. <laughs> then, well, good for them, you know. They, they can they... move on. It's a it's an in classic inversion and it's uh, so good. That's made, really made me. Maybe maybe another point where they recognize that they uh you know they wasted too much shoe leather. Yeah, right. Getting the movie going in the last one. <laughs> what a great shortcut. Because you can say the same about uh, you know how quickly they get to Japan versus how quickly they get to Houston. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Because you can accuse this movie of a lot of things, but hanging around unnecessarily is not, it's one, not of one of them. They are always moving it's like forward. I, that hard cut to the to them getting off the plane in Tokyo is like, whoa! It's like, <laughs> did did we lose some of the movie? Yeah. Isn't this the part where they're supposed to fly the plane by themselves? Yeah, I, I thought that... Um, <laughs> I, I thought that Tony Curtis was gonna get off the, you know, get out of the plane and, t and just turn to camera and say, "Well, it's called Go to Japan," <laughs> because it's like I don't know. In an age where movies take far longer than they should, mm -hmm. it's always a, it's always a surprise yeah. when movies get to the point quickly. <laughs> but it shouldn't be, right? This is like, yeah, this yeah, should be. Right. This should be the bread and butter of cinema, but it isn't anymore. So it's always a shock when a movie doesn't hang around in getting mm -hmm. to where it needs to go. And even more of a shock given that it's the it's a contrast to what they did in the last movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and of course, in between that, we introduce Mustafa. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we, we the, the seeds of the double act that will carry the movie between him and Tony Curtis. Yeah, they're planted here. Um, and, you know... And Mustafa's not. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to get too specific. You know, I don't. I don't want to get too forensic about this. But he's not a bad news bear. Right. Yeah. He's not in the team. He just has he's to just... go. Because. Ahmed's what were, what were works. the choices? What were the choices? There was a. Oh, the choice was he was going to have to stay with a family member, and he just wasn't going to yeah. do it. Right. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as the movie goes on, I think the implication is that Marvin wouldn't leave the two black kids in the team behind mm -hmm. for publicity reasons. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. At this point, that's not... that It's it's literally just little kid under the table kind of jokes. Yeah. And his brother's um, not going to play if he can't come along, so... Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I guess there's some, you know, there's some latent assumptions in the fact that Ammon's mother has to work. You know? Yeah, right. I think they but, even say it. 
That, that's no, they say it out loud. No, yeah. I mean latent assumptions in in that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it being you know, it's only the it's only the African American kid who faces this problem. This problem, it's yeah, a, it's like a universal problem of any two parent family. Of course. <laughs> Even in 1978, I have a note here that we we uh, does Engelbert does he start a fight because he gets called fat? Like we we still have the fat jokes, right? At the airport, I think it may it might have been at the dinner. Well, it, well, some of the, you see some of the or the lunch uh, rather the, in to, in Tokyo. You see the scene was like the kids are like uh, they're talking in Japanese, but they're physically. Touching themselves, mm. as in like, oh, look at the belly on that kid. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but that's, that's this is this is this is like I made a mental note to see if they go back to this, and I don't think they ever did because I, yeah, in the back of in the back of my mind, I was like, they're actually impressed with his girth because they were like, oh, he, you know, we admire sumo wrestlers in this country, so it's all a cultural misunderstanding. But the fact that they never go back to it, you just have to assume that they are going, wow, he's quite fat for a baseball player. Yes, right. That's what it was. But they could have turned that round, but I don't think they ever do. They act as if it's a big misunderstanding, like like they're about to go, no, 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 mm-hmm. we're saying... This is you saying that he looks like one of our athletes or something like that. That's where I thought the scene was going. Okay, but it it, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It, it like, never I gets know, there. It, it never gets there. Well, it doesn't help. I guess it doesn't help that that whole scene starts with bowing jokes. But it's pretty mild, right? From what yeah, it could yeah. have been. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's You're you know. Right. No, I know you. Like I, w- we wouldn't put up with that now, but you know, in a, in a seventy eight film, I go okay, I'll I'll give it to. I you. mean, you knew I, it was coming at some point. Yeah. you were gonna see this, right? And you know, let it's and there's photo, there's lots of photographers. You know, mm-hmm. they are from the press, which I guess makes it okay. But this, you know, the you see the the long shadow that 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 will set in. Uh, you know, as a, a you the they're all, you know, every time you see a Japanese person, they have a camera with them. Sure. Like, I mean, they are press, you know, so well, <laughs> you should, again. Right here, it makes sense. Right here, it makes sense. So this is why, at this point, I'm sort of like, I'm like, if we get through this airport scene without any egregious racism, I think we're good. <laughs> we're okay. Yeah. What, what and we did. expect? Yeah. And we did. So I was mildly impressed uh, at this point. Again, another great quote for the poster. Um, I was mildly impressed. That's great. Well, we're almost 17 minutes into the film and about to play our first baseball game. Should we take a break and come back? Definitely. I think that's a great, um, yeah. All right. But we just got to Japan. Yeah. So (laughs) we did our job. We went to Japan. We got to Japan. (laughs) And you're going to be so pleased that we're playing baseball so early. So we'll we'll come. (laughs) We'll come right back and start talking about that. It's almost as if it's my exact exact next note. (laughs) All right. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? 
Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. We're back. Tom and I are here discussing the surprisingly not too offensive The Bad News Bears Go to Japan, <laughs> directed by John Barry. You don't know him. We don't know him. But well, if you if you're uh if you're French, you might know him. Maybe. <laughs> there you go. As, uh, the He's a possibly director. American, possibly Canadian guy who does plenty of French stuff. Yeah. You, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's the director of A Tous Yes. Yeah. So I have a note here that says, <laughs> as we said on the way out, uh, 17 minutes in and the Bears mm -hmm. are playing a game and apparently yeah. they suck again. Yeah, well... It's that sort of uh, Indiana Jones type reset, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's like, no, nah, I don't believe in the supernatural again. And then this is the moment where Mustafa's playing with his chest and shit, right? That's where your quotable comes from. Yeah, that's where the that's where the, the yeah. quote came from. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and and you this know, is the, the moment the... where you realize, oh, these two are going to be great together. Yes, I yeah. think I think it's a sort of yeah. That this is going to be the highlight of the of the movie, mm -hmm. um, and also you know the again that meta quality of the way that Marvin is pitching the TV, you know the the TV broadcast of the Bears is kind of like yeah. So we should the say... way that we publicize the Bears <clears throat> in real life by saying, "Look at them; they're a microcosm of America." It's like mm -hmm. there's a there's a self awareness about like what the bears are and what they mean to culture, which we have, I don't know if it's in the original, but it's certainly not in the last movie. Yeah. And for those listening, narratively, there's a whole thing going on where, you know, Marvin has kind of bullshitted his way into coaching this team. Yeah. Thinking he can get a TV deal done once he gets there, but that's up in the air. Well, may maybe that's why we went to Japan so quickly, because then we'd have a lot of questions about yeah, right. how he paid for that flight. Yeah, exactly. With with Without having no money on credit. You can't... I don't think you can get, get a flight to Tokyo in 1978 on credit like that. Well, I think maybe you could, but an entire baseball team? Like, how, well, what's, his, what's his limit? <laughs> Good grief! That said, and this is this is not the last time I'll be mentioning Karate Kid Part Two in the in this episode. <laughs> that said, you don't you don't want to be in that situation where where you're like you know spending a a lot of time in the movie saying how we got the money to pay for the tickets to get yeah. to 
Japan in the first place. So because this movie, it's still preferable. This movie picks and chooses moments where Marvin has the money and doesn't have the money. Right. You know. Um. And the guy, the first guy, the first TV executive he's pitching to. Do you recognize him? Yes. The one at the dugout. Because I was like, either this guy is uh, about, you know, is he either this this guy is gonna help the Bears get on TV, or he's gonna tell Tony Curtis to go and assassinate Marlon Brando down the river. Oh. <laughs> Wait, do, I'm not thinking. Do you realize who he is now? No, I mean, because I think I'm thinking he's, of a different he's guy. The, he's the third guy in the scene in Apocalypse Now with Harrison Ford and G.D. Spradlin. Damn. Where they're eating roast beef and shrimp. And they're shrimp. surfing yeah. turf in it. <laughs> and then it ends with, with J.D. Sproudman saying, Terminate with extreme prejudice. It's <laughs> fantastic. We hear the audio of Marlon Brando. I like a snail on a razor blade. That kind of, yeah, that's the, he's, he's, so apparently he's this actor who, who just plays Americans in, <laughs> in the East. See, because I was thinking of uh, George Weiner, the network director. Yeah, well, that's later. This is the guy, the first guy he pitches him, he, who who rejects him outright. Okay. Where well, he's sitting in the dog dugout in the during the game, and it's the guy that's from right. Apocalypse Now. That's right. He just now. walks away. All right. Yeah. And I just think it's funny that it's like, does this guy like live in? <laughs> right. Does this guy is like an American who lives out there? So whenever they make a movie out there, he's in it. I don't know. Well, that was... Because I haven't seen him in anything else. I've never seen him in anything on American soil. Yeah. <laughs> what movie were we doing where you said you said that there were a bunch of Americans living over there? And so they must oh, have just cast Omen, them. Omen, Omen 3, Omens. yeah. And yeah. Omen 3 and then the Superman films as well. Like, you begin to recognize right. the American actors who live in Britain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by these films. A classic example of that is, what's her name from Aliens? Uh, the female, not Ripley, obviously the the Marine lead, the female Marine lead. What's her name? But she's from England. No, oh, no, she's an she's... American living in England. Yeah, she was gotcha. living in London. She was an actor who moved to London, and that's how she got the job in Aliens. Okay, huh? Interesting. Which launched an American career for her that she wouldn't otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, she's in Lethal Weapon too. And she was Jewish playing Latino, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk time. about that at, at a later date. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, part, part of the re- you know, it's it's interesting that you say they now suck because I think that is strategic so that they become underdogs again mm-hmm. at the beginning of the... It's, it's not just Which a reset. Which we've talked about it's, before. Yeah, it's a reset to sort of like, you know, what do you... And I guess maybe you should, you know, this is a sports movie thing. It's like, how do you make the champions... Well, not that they've ever been champions of anything. But, um, <laughs> Except the game you... in Houston. Yeah. When they start to get good, how do you make them underdogs again? Right. To, to kind of keep... To maintain the formula and um, they get their ass handed to them by, uh, uh, by the Japanese team. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the implication that the Japanese team are very good and take the job very seriously. Right. And, uh, all those kind of, uh, you know, all that sort of positive racism. <laughs> it's still it's still underpinned by a fear of Japanese imperialism. But, yes. you know, 
we're never going to get away from that. But they're better at it because Rising they work Sun. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also... Well, and this is where of... we start Kelly's B story. Yeah, we met also, as, as we're coming out of the game, they mentioned Rocky, which... Nah. Shows me that this is the meta version of the Bad News Bears. It's yeah. like you're calling out what you're referencing while you're referencing it. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, this is where this is Mike's Mike's story of the movie. This time, it's his a love interest. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is where I got real Karate Kid Part Two vibes. I'm sure you did. <laughs> you were waiting for the tea and ceremony. Also, in re <laughs> in reference to other movies that we've seen. There's that soft focus again. Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, we were debate we were literally debating <laughs> whether the choice of soft focus in Superman the movie, which, you know, want to hear more of that, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, although that one was free, so you nicely, probably heard it. Nicely played. Um, whether that was a choice to bring it, to make it, you know, a nostalgic <laughs> choice to... to evoke the early 1930s but here we got a movie from the same year right pulling the same soft focus shenanigans All the same shit so uh we we'll add that to the list and we'll keep looking well yeah we'll we'll have to we're obviously... it's not enough to say that it was a convention but it's certainly enough <laughs> yeah. for you to we're, start we're gonna going, have to find oh. movies from 77 and 79 yeah and, and see you know, did 78 start it or did, you know, what, yeah. what, what, what was going on and when did it start and when did it end? And before you and before you write in and say, why don't you just talk to a cinematographer? Yes, of course we could do that if we wanted to. And I'm sure we could find one who'd be willing to tell us what actually happened or a film historian. It's more fun this way. We get to watch more late 70s movies. That's why we're doing it. We're OK with that. Yeah. I think your voice changed uh, a little bit when you mentioned the Patreon. I did. did well, I'm, I, that's. <laughs> I think we just can't help it. As we I'm show. following, I'm following your lead yeah. on that one. I, I want people to associate the Patreon with a with a with a nicer voice than I usually do. I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, they have to pay for that, so I should really put some effort in. I should, I should clean it up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yo, I, I noticed mean, there was a he, moment. I don't know exactly yeah. what was happening in the movie. <laughs> Cause well, it's always a good start. Yeah. We get, we get some shit going on right here. Like they came over clearly with no plan. You know, Marvin's credit cards are getting cut up. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that there was a scene and Kelly leak, Jackie Earl Haley's yes. Kelly leak. There is a moment where he is in sort of the background of the shot. Yes. And he is smiling as though he knows he's in a bad movie. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, I had the, I had a similar note where I was like, they're all just, they all, they're probably learning their place, which is with the background to Tony Curtis. Yeah, that's true. So they're probably not paying much attention when the camera's on him. Because they figure, like, well, we're not even going to make it into the shot. That's going to be so interesting. If, if Marvin and Mustafa are talking, we're probably not in the right. shot. Right. That's got to be so interesting for a group of young actors who are the center of two movies. Yeah. 
to find themselves in the background of this movie. Yeah. And like we said, it may be except for Kelly Leak, because he kind of gets he gets his B story at least. Yeah. And but, um what's the what's the Urkel show? What was that called? Family Matters? Yeah. It was a similar thing that went on there where it was like it was it was sort of it oh, was right. derailed. It was derailed by the popularity of like one character, character who came to the forefront, yeah. But it was an ensemble piece prior to that. Yeah. So it's definitely something that can happen in comedy, I think. It's mm-hmm. it's very common that if someone just suddenly gains traction, they can they can, you know, whip the carpet out from the <laughs> the comic ensemble that that sort of uh built the franchise. Yeah. Now, um can I ask you something? It, it is Kelly stalking this lady? Yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's... Is that what you were going to ask? Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> it all The seems... only surprise I have is that you formulated it as a question <laughs> rather than a definitive statement. He follows her onto the subway, he goes into her home. Yeah, but it's all like I don't know what like else we were you saying. Call that. There's the f- soft focus. It's it's meant to seem romantic. He yeah, he looks yeah, transfixed and lost. Twice as disturbing. Transfixed and lost in love. But I'm like, this is stalking, right? The only question I had was not that is it stalking because it is. I'm like, do they consider it to be predatory at the time? Yeah, right. And the answer to that, I think, is clearly it's, no. No, yeah, because of the soft focus, because. Even though nothing dramatically is happening that suggests to me that there is any consent going on here, mm-hmm. the movie would like us to believe that if she knew she was being followed, she'd be fine with it. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, yeah, that's 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 awful. Well, um, and then we get to... And get, given the treatment of, like, given the, like, historically the treatment of single women on the on uh the subway in japan mm-hmm. like you know there's a, the terrible kind of history of molestation of women um there's like a moment where like a local is looking at kelly what like following um his what what's her name i forget her name yeah i had it written down uh, oh, I'm, I'm still still on John Barry's IMDb. Uh, <laughs> live live page changing. Uh, this is okay. Who should win the Oscars? I don't care. Um, <laughs> Arika. Yeah, I think it's Arika. Okay, yeah, it is. It is Arika. Arika. Um, that's There's the thing about, look. like, you look on IMDb for this movie, and it's like, all the kids have been forgotten. Because yes. they no longer have pictures next to their names. Yeah, she's, they a, did she's for the a no-face. I was struggling because she's a no-face. Yeah. Um, uh, an IMDb no-face. Yeah, exactly. There's a horror movie there, isn't there? <laughs> um, but, any, but anyway, a local is, like, looking at, at Kelly, looking at her, like, too far. And I'm like... Jesus, if a, if someone who potentially would just happily slip his hand under the dress of a of the, right. of the woman standing next to him is thinking right. that, oh my god, <laughs> Kelly must be really out of bounds. <laughs> well, and then I notice. Actually, I got another question for you. 
Because then we get mm-hmm. into this. What I wrote down in my notes was there's a random karate demonstration. And I can't decide if this is where the movie is going <laughs> off the rails into like ter- a really bad movie or off the rails onto a different rail of yeah. magnificence. Yeah. Because it's, it's crazy. <laughs> It's it like makes, Temple of Doom. It, it yeah. goes off. The, it's like the the yeah, Minecraft right, shit. The, right, the Minecraft right. shit. It goes off the rails and then it gets back on the rails. Oh um, man. Well, there are so here. Here are my thoughts. Obviously, it goes on much longer than is narratively. Yeah, necessary. I said it's getting muddy. <laughs> it's it's there for a sports spectacle, which is part of sports movies, right? You got to sure. have events in there. And I like that they fold events. little napkins on top of the cement blocks. You know, to protect their heads. <laughs> and we've had more sports events in the first third of this movie than there was in the entirety of the last movie. Yeah. Um, so but so we've we've definitely asserted the claim that this is a sports <laughs> movie better than the last one did. So I don't have any issues with that. Um but I suppose well I su- I just said why? You know, why because it's a different sport. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's 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 sort of well. So I I also don't understand what what this event is, right? It's a demonstration because they are gonna of martial arts that is for like their a wrestling pre- match. It's a pregame <laughs> to a wrestling match later in the evening. Yeah, uh, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And one guy knocks himself out. Right, and then obviously you Cue get two of the bad news of... bears. When the when the American martial artist slash wrestler uh, arrives, they're riffing on Apollo Creed very clearly with the mm. with the jingoistic flag women yeah. dancing around him and the funky music. Although weirdly, that's more Apollo Creed in Rocky Four than Four. it is in Rocky, which <laughs> yeah. just doesn't make sense because that hasn't happened yet. Uh, um, <laughs> And of course, both the sources for that are Muhammad Ali, so classic. Guess it kind of makes sense. And then just the the like because it's such a it is such a detour. But then they try and work it back into the plot, right? So it becomes like so Marvin. So but I'm even, trying to figure even the solutions I'm to this out in real time. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to replace a martial artist with a wrestler. To get an interview for the Bears? Something like that. So this is interesting. But what's interesting because... is that he chooses yeah. to try to put someone else in his, in the place who apparently has because the ma- gu- many different Because the guy conditions. injures himself in the martial arts pre Yeah, right. So he's got a buddy who somehow gets to Japan immediately. <laughs> he tries to yeah. put him in, but finds out he's got too many health problems. So now... Marvin's Marvin gonna do it to. himself. Oh, you're right. That's the extra. That's another layer. So it. it's yeah. another layer of Marvin could have just done it himself. We're already in a really extended sequence of scenes. Yeah, that are going on too long. I just thought it was interesting that we added this character who's gone three minutes later. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. It's like, but it's the it's the sh- the world that we're seeing is the show business side of sports. That that, and we're getting. I think what the movie's trying to do is trying to get into what Marvin's good at, which is problem solving in a showbiz atmosphere. 
yeah. even though if it's mixed with sports, <laughs> like he's, he's I'm just... making him an under underdog as well. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, this is this is. It's but it's like, also it's making... showing how far he'll go for the team. So I think there's yeah. that added to it as well. Yeah. Because he ends up it's getting the... it. He ends up wrestling with the actual wrestler. Yeah. He puts and getting his, money his ass his mouth kicked. Is. Yeah. And so the kids come in, and there's a melee. I also love yeah. that they're, you know, they go into this arena, and I wrote down, man, that fucking arena is completely empty. <laughs> like, there's nobody there. Clearly, But they isn't could... it like 3.30 in the morning? I have no... I, I don't remember. Don't they say at one point that, like, the air... T- like, the, 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 in order to make it prime time in America... In America? It's like taking place at 3.30 in the morning. Well, what I like was... So my question to you is, why would anyone be there? Well, what I liked... (laughs) If it's 3.30 in the morning. I I presume that they love the wrestling so much, but what I like is that they covered it. Clearly, this movie could not afford an entire arena of fans. Oh, sure. sure. And what I like was that they said, you know, they were expecting (laughs) one wrestler and got another. Obviously, not a lot of people... Came, but that, that made, only that, that only explains the first wrestler, <laughs> right? <laughs> because the because the twist here is it's a it's a three prong twist, right? It's just, well, there's also then it's like Marvin is posing as the wrestler. Yes, but what I also liked, well, no, not not that I liked. I have a question for you. I love how you immediately took that back. <laughs> I'm not sure that I like it. <laughs> but I can't figure out, is this movie just trying to joke when the announcer keeps equating wrestling to figure skating? Well, this guy is a this guy is a he's a figure skater. Famous, he's a famous figure announcer. skater. So he's a, he's one of our he he. I mean, the 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 actual the Japanese martial artist slash wrestler is a famous Japanese wrestler. Yes. So he's our sports cameo for the movie. Okay. Fine. And Dick Button, who is the name of the the figure skater mm-hmm. who's commentating, is um. The movie's presenting is, it like it's the funniest jokes there've ever been on film. But he's a he's a sports celebrity. Well, I, you know, I, I think he's probably the funniest performance in the movie. <laughs> Take that, Tony Curtis. All the sort of all the sort of analogies that he's doing, I think are hilarious. Uh and he really kind of carries this this uh, and obviously the figure skating stuff is like it's almost like a foreshadow of um, Best in Show. What's he called? Fred Fred Willard, Fred Willard. in Best in Show. That's like you, you, you're commentating on one sport, but you can't help talking about another. Now, what it's kind like... of dog is that? <laughs> How much do you think I could bench press? It's like one of the greatest comic performances in any movie. But doesn't, doesn't Fred Willard do a similar thing where... Every time he he's learned something, he has to convert it into football speak in order <laughs> right. to understand it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I I don't know what to make of you know the rest of well I I mean it's just so with the in well the bad but, news once the once us, the bad news bears get in the ring and start attacking yeah. the wrestler, yeah. it's like they you know it's like in the last movie when they get the press coverage they want and that's what they get out of this. 
Yeah. So now they can get the television contract that they want, I think. Well, it all kind of tracks for me because if if I <laughs> if I was watching, you know, a, a satellite broadcast of a Japanese wrestling match and <laughs> right and the opponent of this famous Japanese wrestler was Tony Curtis in a mask followed by a bunch of little leaguers <laughs> right I'd be, I'd be like yeah sign me up for whatever they're doing next week <laughs> that's great now yeah. as as uh, what I have in my notes is the team gets on a train as Kelly goes on a date Yes. Oh, they leave him, don't they? They are. They. I mean, yeah. there's even there's even a couple of lines. There's a couple of lines explaining like, why Where's Kelly? <laughs> where's Kelly? And Tony Curtis says, "We we don't need him." Again, I don't know if it was a scripted line or whether that was just Tony Curtis going, right. uh, just saying, saying, "Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want anyone taking screen time away from me." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know. Well, mo- mostly it's just it, it. It's exactly that. It's just pumping up the amount of screen time that Tony Curtis has. Yeah, one of my next notes Kelly, is this Kelly movie seems to be for Tony Curtis only. But we do. I guess. I guess the sort of. I think it is a byproduct. But we start to see other bears get a little more of the spotlight. Yeah, so we also the scene, the scene uh, with Stein and and the interacting with the Japanese players. That's what I was just gonna say. Cause one they, of my favorite moments of the film because yeah. there's no, there's nothing. There's no setup to it. It's just like mm-hmm. he's just like uh, they're like here's how we play basket uh, basketball. Here's how we play baseball here, mm-hmm. and he's just going, oh, you mean throw like this and like that, and it's like. And what I like is nice. Like, it's just nice. Like there's no yes, exactly. Um, what I like is that to the scene. There's no agenda. And what I like is when you put the two teams of kids together, they're just being kids together, right? And they like each and other. And then you get you get but, Mustafa learning Japanese rituals as well, right? And again in the scene, but it's Marvin like only... that wants to put discord between the teams. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like they're reaching. They're reaching a kind of. I guess. I mean. I don't know how much to read into this because there's definitely something going on under the surface mm-hmm. because they're going to a war memorial and there's a sense of we're working through these wartime wounds on both sides. And as you say, like this generation of kids, it's like this is, you know, they've got no agenda uh, skin in the fight. And, yeah. You know, it's like they're not the skin in the fight. This generation can figure it out themselves. That seems to be what's going on. And then, as you say, Tony Curtis comes in. But, you know, that is also quite progressive because it's sort of saying that unless Americans, you know, kick, you know, uh, kick themselves and start stirring up trouble again, mm-hmm. we can move towards peaceful relations between the countries. Well, what I found interesting, too, is it's, you know, he starts trying to kind of manufacture some discord between the teams, but then yeah. it's him shortly after that sticking up for the opposing coach. Oh, it's well, and and before that, the scene between him and the coach is like nuanced, well written, yeah, well acted, good character writing. Um, and the su- and again, I think there is a subtext of that scene. It's about reconciliation between two wartime enemies. Mm through mutual understanding and it's actually really well written in the sense that none of that none of that is there on the surface it's just two guys talking to each other 
admittedly only one can understand what the other one's saying. But um, <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, but like, totally... you know, I found that interesting that this movie chose to never give us a subtitle ever. That's true. You know, and Tony, you know, Tony Curtis says like, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a jerk, I'm a loser, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. But it's like. It's just, again, it's like promoting mutual misunderstanding, which is not a direction I thought this film was going to go down. Yeah. And it, it really does, deliberately, all the time. Right. With with nuance and subtlety, which is, again, completely unexpected. <laughs> For this movie, yeah. I, I, I did not see it coming. And even, you know... And Such then, a pleasant then surprise. Think, it was a pleasant surprise, and then you think... And then you get to the the karaoke variety show, the, the, the kind of game the show, set, and you're like, yeah. and you're like, okay, well, it was good while it lasted, right. but here we are. But then, no, I think it actually gets even better in this scene, right? Because first of all, and this is what I mean about like sometimes this movie is more culturally sophisticated than Lost in Translation, right? Like you sort of think about that scene with Stein and the and the Japanese baseball players, and you think, okay, imagine this is Bill Murray doing that. It would end with a joke at someone's expense. Yeah, sure. So this is actually better, question mark. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those moments where, like, Marvin can't help himself but to run onto the set to defend the coach. But that's the most beautiful moment of the film. That's what brought me to tears. Yeah. And it's like, the movie now really wants us to fall in love with Marvin. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's, and it's, it's funny because it's Marvin's got a couple relationships in this movie he's uh-huh. got his relationship with Mustafa and a relationship with this coach yeah and both are represented in the film and in the end in again this is one of the one of the two cultural misunderstandings that this film actually resolves because yes they are making fun of him but what Marvin doesn't realize is it's part of the game mm-hmm. and that they're just they're mocking him so that he will be more triumphant later. Right, right. Like 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 it's part of like he just doesn't understand the convention, the culture, the specific or, yeah, conventions. Yeah. But he know like because an American game show would do it differently. But this is fascinating because it's showing us how Japanese TV is different from and yet the same as American TV. Mm-hmm. And that must have been a huge thing for American viewers to see. In 1978. Right, right. Oh, it seems weird and strange and different. But if you unlock the cultural code, it's just like a not regular game show. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how early this is for like the the Western fascination with karaoke either. I don't know if this became, this was like, still felt exotic or whether Mm -hmm. karaoke was sort of taking off um, at this point. And Go ahead. and a Godzilla commercial straight after this. Yeah, right. <laughs> is, but again, like I th- par like, for the course. It's not imbi- It's not imbued with the kind of anti-Japanese dogma that you expect it to be. No, because Godzilla is it's kind of you know it's what it's what brings East and West together, isn't it? Right. In some ways, in so, I was going to say, in some ways. Well, it's yes. like it's what we know culturally of Japan, especially in this period. Mm-hmm. So, I, everything seems to be designed to bridge the gap between the cultures. Yeah, right. Which is again not an approach I thought this movie was going to take. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it does it perfectly, and and sometimes it does it horrendously, but 
for the most part, it, it's I think it's pretty good and for the time, very good. I can't disagree. So strange. Well, we're not gonna... where I thought we'd be. <laughs> we're gonna get into more of Kelly's love story and the game itself. Why don't we take another break? Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> well, this is uh, have, having said all that. <laughs> we're gonna get into a couple of scenes now, which uh, uh, are not. We're gonna agree. More on that. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. Here we are, back once again, finishing up with the Bad News Bears Go to Japan. It's everything you think it is and is not everything you think it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how else to describe this movie. Yeah, it's, the, the title is both an accurate description of what happens in the movie. Right. <laughs> with, with none of the full, well, with very little of the full with, that you yeah. think would be implied by a title like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Another poster quote there. <laughs> I don't know, if I saw that at a poster, I'd be like, I'd watch that movie. That sounds intriguing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, uh, last we left, I believe Kelly's... He's looking for Arika at the pinball... Or the... Uh, the pachinko parlor. The pachinko parlor. Mm-hmm. And meets her dad, right? Uh, yeah. I've, I, I, I don't know if we've skipped over the a previous. Oh yes. So do we skip something? Previous to, well, not re- <laughs> not in any real sense. I just, I just thought I just wanted to comment based on what we've said about Kelly's uh, style in the last movie being about ten years too late for that style. Uh huh. That now he seems to have caught up with the seventies fashions. Okay. Yeah. Because he's full David Cassidy in these scenes. Very much. Yeah, you're right. And so much so that, like the when I first saw them, saw him and Akira both arrive, I thought that that it was a it was like Akira's girlfriend. I didn't think Kelly had started was in the scene yet. 
Right. I thought there were just like the two of them going to get popcorn. Um, <laughs> or whatever it is they're doing. So I just wanted to, to sort of say that whatever anachronisms were there fashion-wise, someone sorted them out in a very short space of time. Some, someone got his shit together for him. Yeah. Maybe it was just letting him wear his own clothes. I don't know. Yeah. Feels like that, that was the obvious solution. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, then they're, then they're in the pachinko parlor. Uh, and again, so it's like, there's a lot in this movie that would end up in Karate Kid Part 2 and Lost in Translation. Yeah, right. But the funny, you know, not the funny part, but the it's it's weird that they're bringing something up that doesn't really drive the story in any way. No, you know I what mean? this, it's, is, a, it's this just... is a weird part. Like, the, the, they're an interracial romance with none of the problems associated with that story trope. Yeah, right. Because, well, there's well no, until no this moment when dad doesn't clearly want him dating his daughter. But as you say, this doesn't turn into anything. No, yeah. So it's just playing with the... It's playing with the imagery of that story without committing to without committing the consequences to it. of it. This movie yeah. doesn't have the time for it. I think is what really is going. Oh, on. Oh, it does. It just doesn't. No, yeah, you're, care. you're right. Yeah, it I'm just doesn't care. I it doesn't think. care. Yeah. But directly before this scene, I think is one of the most problematic scenes in the movie. If if what happen if what I think happens happens in the scene with Lazar, yes. At the massage parlor, right? Okay, yeah. so here, so this is what I want to get to, right? Go. When we meet him, he's just there's kind of geishas around. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a it's a massage parlor with all the connotations of that, right? Um, he just got laid. Is what that's the it, implication, I, right? I, I, well, I didn't know if he just got laid, if he was about to get laid, or... Okay. But... First of all, I know that there's more to geishas culturally than just sex. Of course. I'm saying this movie doesn't know that. Yes. It's like the the Simpsons with the lizards and the wings, you know? It's like, <laughs> did you know they have wings? Yes, I was just hoping they didn't know that. It's that kind of thing. Um... But of course, this movie chooses to let Mustafa find him. Right. And this is it's like where the adult section of the movie meets the kid one. Yeah. And they form an uneasy alliance. And, and... <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it, it's just pure. It's like kids say the funniest things, but the topic is uh, adult sex. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's It's... It's Which is weird. something that a network censor would be like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that, that one. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah. But I guess that, you know, like you said, they, they form this uneasy alliance. And it's just strange to me that in the last third of the film, you finally bring you finally bring your lead character to a moment where mm. the audience is going to say, Oh my God! He should not be in charge of these children. <laughs> He's the wrong person, you know. But is, but it depends on what the beginning of the scene means. If if you take my interpretation <laughs> right. that he just got laid, uh huh. Does that 
that that makes it that means he shouldn't be in charge of children but if it's your one it's like it's like he's thinking about it but the children are more important yeah so i really need to know <laughs> what the beginning of what the happened is. Yes. what what <laughs> did or did everything. not happen oh uh, that's well and then, what's you know, interesting I... though is that it's a mod it's mustafa's mm. brother who all of a sudden in this movie yeah he is the voice of reason where he is giving so much shit to Marvin for you know calling him out on all of his bullshit basically yeah. and he's like the he's the conscience of the movie it's another really surprisingly nuanced and complex scene it is yeah. In relation to when, you know, he comes back to the uh, My the note is, is he's got him pegged exactly. Yeah. And he knows exactly who Marvin is. And even more than that, he's, you know, Ahmed is using the N-word. He's reclaiming the N-word back against Marvin. Mm-hmm. Not that Marvin's ever used it, but we've heard it used in the past movie yeah. by Tanner. So he's reclaimed that. And he's right, he, and it's not just that he's, it's not just the sort of the rap version of, you know, we get to reclaim it, make it our own, it's perfectly valid, but it's actually using that to call out the exploitation of minorities in show business. So yeah, right. it's like, it's not simply reclaiming the word; it's reclaiming it in a way that's being used against white um, subjectification of yeah black people which is just uh it really it's so me, much it, more nuanced than you're yeah you ever think and you you're know get there from is this movie and there's even you know there is that 1978 pushback that you would expect where tony mm-hmm. curtis is like you have no right to be saying this to me mm-hmm. and in the context of the film he's right i mean he's not expressed racism right he's but he i mean he is exploiting but he's exploiting the, the not just the black yeah. kids all the kids all the kids, yes. <laughs> that would have been a great moment. It's like, I'm not just exploiting you, I'm exploiting everyone. Um, <laughs> right. So I think in the end, we are we are supposed to align ourselves with Marvin's POV, which is like, mm. that it's like, you, it's like, Ahmad's right, but he's wrong to be expressing this to me. Mm. But nonetheless, it, 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 may, it makes a lot of progress to the discussion. Mm-hmm. We get further than I ever thought a movie called Bad News Bears Goes to Japan would ever get yeah, in right. the discussion of racial yeah. representation in movies of the 70s. <laughs> so even with that kind of pushback that you would expect from a movie of the time where, you know, white people get defensive and we're told that that's where we should be. Right. It's still... Yeah. You know, he like we said in a previous episode, he's still given a voice in the movie where he had no voice before. Yeah, true. Which is a big deal. And then, I mean, narratively, there's this moment in which the some some bigwigs that he wants to be in line the with ringers, back yeah. in America, mm-hmm. they bring him the ringers, right? Yeah, and, so, and again... Go ahead. You know, if it, if it ever looks like the Bad News Bears are going to get too good, 
Right. We've got to do something to reset them as underdogs. And this is so they become like but underdogs I, against you the know, system again. What I think is interestingly or interesting sports wise is you have a group of players. The, the way, you know, in sports, you could take a group of players that might not be as talented as another group, but if they play yeah. better as a team, mm-hmm. then they can win. And that's how the bad news bears feel, but they bring in these ringers and it upsets mm-hmm. the team. Yeah. And I mean upset in the sense of, you know, turns the team kind of inside out. I mean, they're sure. angry too, but yeah. But what it does is it makes them less of a team. I think it's even mm-hmm. Ahmad who says at the when he's trying to explain why he's doing this. Yeah. When Marvin try he says that's some of your best bullshit yet, Marvin. Mhm. Cuz he knows what it's going to do, do to the team. Yeah, and it's. I mean, but it's like the ringers are playing pretty good, but the team is unhappy and they're losing. I mean, they go up and then and then they start losing. But yeah, and they're and they're depicted as you know assholes um, as well. Uh, But we've sort of planted the seed of this, like you know the loss of the loss of authenticity Mm -hmm. due to fame. You know, having losing like changing out their uniforms. So they don't right. have their sponsor right. on, and they make a point about you know they've been the sponsor's been good to us, and all that sort of stuff. So that that's that seed is planted here, and then there's a question the if Kelly's even going to show up because he's off on his love story, right? And then they even say up. you know like it's like we should we should play the underdog card. This is how we're going to win the game mm-hmm. at one point, which again is like a very meta comment because it's what the screenwriters are doing behind yeah. the scenes but kind of like brought into the plot of the film and i guess it's an imbass as well it's a sort of an inversion of um that's his hard is marvin a coach <laughs> the two main characters of this yeah. film are the coach <laughs> I mean... and one of the players and they one is not a coach and one is not a player right um because he's so it's like the opposite of what William Devane. He has nothing. Doing. He has literally nothing to offer this team, no. baseball wise. But it's like it's it's like the opposite coaching philosophy, isn't it? We fix the team by putting better players in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and William Devane was all about, you know, as long as everybody does their best and strategy works together and strategizes yeah. and thinks as opposed yeah. to just plays. Uh. The problem with the ringers is it makes it difficult to know who we're supposed to be rooting for. Right. Because yeah. effectively both teams are being beaten at the same time. But by them winning. Yes, yeah. But what's interesting I think this movie does walk a razor's edge. It does strike a balance somehow during this game in which cuz the ringers are such assholes that at some point one of them is a pitcher, and he's going to start headhunting against the team. Yeah, yeah. And a brawl yeah. starts after, like, a hard slide. Did I say yeah enough times to make it sound like I knew what you were talking about? <laughs> Sorry, Tom. I'll try to get through the sports stuff as quickly Wait as I minute. can. Wait a minute. They're going to they're, they're headhunt them? They're going to they're gonna hire them for their organization? What? Carry on. So you have this part where one of the 
You have one of those parts where a, you know a pitcher starts head hunting, starts throwing start, for Tom and anybody else starts throwing a ball at people's heads, and then another player—that's <laughs> what head hunting means. That sounds like a euphemism for what's happening, not a description of it. And then another player uh, slides hard and takes out another player's—you know—a Japanese player's legs mm-hmm. when he's trying to get to second base, and this starts a huge brawl. Mm-hmm. But I think what is interesting is that you can see that the other players, the other Bears, they don't like yeah. this. They like right. the players on the other team. They're just playing a yeah. baseball yeah. game. And I think that this movie handles all of that fairly well, considering I do, everything I agree. that's going on, you know? And again, yeah, something you and, might not expect from this movie. That you might not expect from this movie. And also it's different from the last movie, right? You, you think Because this game gets canceled th- and stays canceled. And that's the opposite of the last movie. Yeah, and in the last, yeah, I did not expect that. I did not expect that at all. No, and and you know, I was gonna say even more opposite. That doesn't make sense, but just to <laughs> add to add to the opposition, they stay on. Uh, the last team stayed on, but this time they walk off. Right. Um. So it's very clearly meant to be an inversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that it also recognizes what the main attraction of this is is not the game itself but the what the fights the bad sportsman's like behavior mm-hmm. is what we want from the sporting events not a game like following a game like an actual game yeah right um if you come into bad news bears for that you're sorely disappointed <laughs> uh and it's like, and it's also, it's like, it's the final game, but it's not the, you know, it's like, it's, it looks like the final game, but it's not. It's a fake out. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's what the, the martial arts pregame was trying to tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> trying to ease us in to this idea. You might, you might be reaching further than is possible for the benefit of this movie. I think so. Yeah. Um, and then there's a weird sort of hotel scene, which I don't really know what to make of between the coach it's, and Tony Curtis. It's very weird, but there's this moment where the opposing coach kind of rolls over on the floor like a little mm. boy. Yeah. That, and Tony comes up kind of behind him and is yeah. like, it, it charmed me in a way that I did not expect where I realized the relationship that I watched these two coaches build. Yeah. Basically, not that it's nonverbal because they're both talking, but they're both talking in their native language and I can only understand one side. Yeah, yeah. Which is the whole of Lost in Translation, basically, isn't it? Right, yeah. And then, you know, there's the sort of, I think the perfect demonstration of, of like where this movie lies in relation to racism is the the fake out Harry Carey moment. Yes, right. That sums up, sums it all up because what the depiction of the Japanese is based on stereotypes like mm-hmm. that. Like they can't think outside of those stereotypes, but at the same time, they are trying to do something that is mitigating those stereotypes. Yeah, I don't exactly know what he is do trying to do with that knife, and that's a problem for the scene. True. Like I don't know what he like. At the end, it's like, no, I'm just cleaning this knife. I'm like, well, right. you don't just grab a knife like that and clean it for to no clean reason. It. Yes, right. Demonst- in such a demonstrative way. But um, 
but he does make it clear what he was not going to do with it. What he was not going to do, and that yeah. that is an awful stereotype. Right. So everything about every the complicated relationship between this film and racism is represented in that one moment. In that scene, yeah, right. Um, and ditto with the whole discussion of, you know, if you were an actor in Hollywood in the <laughs> 40s, you would have had a lot of death scenes, you would have worked a lot. Right. Like it's it's actually kind of it's it's fu- it's it's funny and detached from a racist truth. <laughs> from a, <laughs> like I was it's, just to say from a from an actual truth, yeah. From an actual, it's a, it's a rate you know it's like it's it's sort of like taking a racist joke and then pointing out the racist truth behind it. Mm-hmm. It's very com. It's much more complicated than it looks on the surface. Right. Yes. Exactly. I don't know if it, if it's just you know like sometimes when you let actors kind of roll with stuff improv wise, you mm-hmm. get a scene that is not on message with the rest of the film, <laughs> and that's kind of what it feels like a little bit here. Yeah. Like, oh, that's funny, and then you walk back and you're like, oh, it doesn't really fit with what we're saying in the rest of the film. Okay, never mind. It's yeah, fine. it's a fine uh, print. It's fine. <laughs> and what I did like was an example of how you make the ending of Rocky V work. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Do they have a street uh, game? Yeah. They just play... You know, it's funny that after all this, and it makes sense considering everything, the bullshit that Marvin's been doing throughout this whole movie. Yeah. That the kids just wanted to play baseball and they could finish the game on their own. They don't even seek yeah. out the coaches, you know? They exactly, just... yeah. So I, They're, they're going to like, sandlot it. This is an example of a, of a street game ending to a sports movie that actually works. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's funny, too, that there's this moment with Kelly... Because this, w- this would have happened in the big game, and I guess this mm-hmm. is still the big game. It's just played on the sandlot instead. Yeah. Uh, but he, you know, you have this moment of, uh, well, he he lost his love, so he 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 doesn't have the love of the game. He he just he can barely pick up that bat and swing, mm-hmm. and then his girl shows up, and you know, pow, he he gets he gets the big hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Such a trope, um, you know. I mean, this movie's hitting the tropes heavy as we go get to the end. Did you? Um, I say notice. I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it, it struck me that that maybe possibly Ahmed went through puberty during this shooting because the final shot of him in the street game—he's a man. Oh, I don't think I noticed. That's interesting. I think I think he he starts the film as a child and ends up as a man. <laughs> oh, so, I got to go back and check out the end now. Yeah, just in that one scene, like yeah. maybe this was a reshoot. I don't know. Uh-huh. And that was that was um, <laughs> it's hard hard to imagine. The bad news first goes to Japan had anything like a reshoot, Some reshoot, a movie that came out less than a year after the, the previous movie. <laughs> Listen, we had some test audiences say we got to change something in that last baseball game. Everybody's going back to Japan for two days. We got to cut out all the racism out of this film. <laughs> or as much as humanly possible. As much as humanly possible. So, yeah, release the release the racist cut, yeah. I say. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what Zack yeah. Snyder. You hardly ever hear that. Well, that's what Zack Snyder fans are really thinking, though. Really, <laughs> you're, the racist you're not wrong. Um. Yeah, but in the in the end, the uh, lesson was for the love of the game. Yeah, and uh, and everybody learns that lesson, including the two coaches. Right. And in in the in the meta spirit of this film, it ends with them teasing the next sequel. That was never made. Where what? Tony Curtis turns to the coach and says, "Next year, oh, yeah. Cuba." Yeah, and that's the movie, right. The music comes in as he is pitching the next movie. That's right. Um, and it, you know it's a comic button, but. He's describing exactly what the next movie would be. <laughs> so, I don't know how to take it. That's fantastic. And he says next year Cuba and all these movies are a year apart. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe they're just like, we can't afford adverti- We can't afford pre-advertising. Can we end the film with them saying what the next movie's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> if we make over, what was it, $7 million? Which they did not. No, there you go. You got and to yeah, seven, it's... but not seven point one. <laughs> you just missed it. Damn it. Yeah, it ends with you know, it's like a melting pot American team and a and a Japanese team unified, so mm-hmm. cross cultural cult, cross cultural reconciliations at the heart of the ending, which is good yeah. news. Right. Not bad news, it's good news. <laughs> Anything left for you? Other I have than a brief, uh, I have a brief credit check for. A you don't brief... have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Those credits don't last long. Um, the choice of music, uh, uh, Japanese and English, take me out to the ball game with alternate verses and choruses in different languages. <laughs> Not bad. That, that cements the cosmopolitan message, I think. Sure. Of the movie. Um. No recap of the film this time. Yeah, just, right. Just a freeze frame of a building. Of a building, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is sort of where, like, I was like, this movie was made too quickly. <laughs> like, because I was trying to, I was trying to reason this out. It's definitely the idea of recapping the movie in the credits is not going out of fashion. No, yeah. We got a good ten years of this left. So the only reason why they wouldn't do that is if they like literally did not have the time to go to the Steam Bank machine and pull the clips from the movie to put back in. I mean, if you if you just find a Sylvester Stallone movie where he's trying to yeah. end an iconic character, it'll be there. Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Oh yeah. So that's it's so I think that is literally like that is all the footage we have. <laughs> Like the last temptation of Christ, the film just ends. You know, you actually see the film end on screen. Um, oh, and but a big difference from last year. Well, another big difference from last year's uh, movie. The film actually acknowledges its product placement, mm. which makes me think that last the the last film's use, like uh, uncredited use of Budweiser as a sponsor. Right cause some kind of change in the law <laughs> where you had to you had to list the affiliates 
like Clifton James as a Anheuser Busch uh, spokesperson was just a step too far for them. I don't like that. I want to see my name up there in the credits. So, but I, I you know, it feels like what happened between seventy seven and seventy eight that meant you it's really important. You had to yeah. put put all this in the credits. Some sort, some, some sort of legal action was taken. Did they real? Oh, the opposite. Did they realize that if they don't put it in the credits, they don't get paid? Hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, that's it. That's that's yeah. All that right. is literally all I could pull from that's those all seconds. I could pull from the <laughs> the seventies, man. They go through those credits quick. I love it. I love it. It's it's a you know it's another example to. I guess I guess we're too far in the hole now. It'll never go back to no. anywhere close to that. No. It's impossible. You have to have four pages worth of COVID names now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. The Bad mm-hmm. News Bears have gone to Japan. Never to return. Never to return. <laughs> Got lost in translation. Yay! All right. Well, you're going to have to tell us what you think of this movie. I think we're both kind of pleasantly surprised. Not a good uh, movie. Yeah. But... it. it I mean, it is... It's yeah. so much better than I ever thought it could, would, or should be. Yeah. I guess I'm not saying it's a good film. I'm not saying that it that it's better than this kind of this kind of film should be, mm-hmm. but I am saying that it's definitely not down there with the worst. Yeah, sequels. I don't think so either. Yeah. Well, and you'll have to tell us what you think. Do you defend it even a bit? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us that email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. If you haven't signed up already, sign up for our Patreon. You get bonus episodes. We cut the head off the snake of every series, and you'll get those snake heads coming at you. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it for the Bad News Bears. Coming up next are pitches. Can we keep this series going? (laughs) For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions... Michael Schantz here. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye to the good people, Tom. We're prisoners of war and we're escaping. <laughs> I'm alarmed how much my Tony Curtis I was going to say, I like with your... My, with my Patreon I voice. like your Tony Curtis. <laughs> Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis. Um, because I like them. Don't yeah, touch the them. Yeah, spe- the Spectre... It's like the the specter of uh, that kind of anti-Japanese sentiment during World War II is never far away from the movie, but nah. it does a lot to keep it under wraps. Yep. Yep. All right. Stay tuned for pitches, everyone. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>